Remember, the views expressed on The Business Bros Show is only the opinion of The Business Bros. You should always seek your own legal advice, tax advice, and any other counsel regarding investments or financial obligations. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Shut up and sit down. <laughs> so uh, I love that intro, by the way. I do. It's a good intro. It's it a good kinda intro. Gets me going. We should make t-shirts. We should. We definitely need to make t-shirts. Uh, what did you say, Business Bros? And then shut, shut up, up and, and sit, sit down, down right yeah. underneath it. I, I like it. it. I love it. I it's like catchy. the idea. So, anyways, um, so today's episode where we actually have listener questions. Yeah, wouldn't you know? People are actually listening to us. Amazing. Yeah, I really am. I mean, it is still friends and family. Yeah, yep. waiting for it to get uh, beyond beyond that. that. Yeah. But we did get some kind of a request from we we did get a couple subscribers. Not, here, so. I'm not sure if it's a spam thing. It you know it may very well be, but hey. Made my ego go up a little bit. There you go. <laughs> Makes us feel good. So those of you who are subscribing, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. So tell me a little bit about the situation. Uh, well, first of all, this is a listener questions show, and we have two listeners who submitted a couple things to us. It's pretty cool that we get to do this. Uh, so thank you to those folks. Uh, the names have been changed to protect the identities and blah, 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 legal jargon. I don't know. And so but, forth and so forth. Yeah, and so forth and so forth. Uh, we're going to try to keep everybody's name out of it. But anyway, so um, we had one listener who's gotten through a situation with the IRS. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, man. It's like getting into a situation with Darth Vader. Right? They're coming after <laughs> you. You never want to get in that situation. Oh, you have a letter in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, the letter had to do with um, a minor child who, whose identity was not verified, and they were getting into a sticky situation. They had to prove that the child was actually theirs, and that they had lived with them during the taxable year. Right. So, um, I mean, it, it all came about, it stemmed from the fact that they had initially filed a tax return without a W-2. Right, so the fact that they filed a, a tax return not using a W two prompted an IRS letter, which also included the proof of the dependent. So first of all, I didn't even know that you could file a tax return without a W two. Well, I mean, as long as you're an employee, I thought that that was a requirement. Like, how can you file a tax return without a W two? Okay, well, I mean, it, it, first of all, as an employer, you know, when we have employees, we're required to report wages to not only the employees at the end of the year but really we're reporting the wages to the irs directly right right so if you ever get a if you ever take a look at your w-2s there's multiple copies and then some of the copies that you don't get are the ones that we transmit electronically or paper i always to wondered about that you get a w-2 and there's like <clears throat> six copies of the same thing back in the day you used to have to send your tax return by mail so there's a copy that goes to the state there's a copy that goes to the IRS, there's a copy that you keep. So you're telling me the government has not caught up to that yet? Well, no, they have. They have. They definitely have. But they still send you those copies in case you want to file by mail. They were just need to get rid of that option. <laughs> I mean, it's get, it's getting to that point. 
it's getting to that point. But in the meantime, there's still reasons why you would have to file by mail. This might be one of them, although things have changed. It used to be that you couldn't send an, an amended return uh, electronically, but even that sort of thing is starting to change. So, so, so an amended return is something that had a mistake on it previously and you had to change it? Correct. Correct. You had okay. to make a change. All right. So in this particular situation, they filed a return without a W-2. So um, as an employer, you have until January 31st to send out W-2s and 1099s. Okay. So as, as, as I'm the boss, I have employees. I usually, I can send them out at the beginning of the year. I can, I'm at, you know, January 2nd, January 3rd, whatever. I can send them out January 15th, but I have until January 31st to send them out. Right. For those procrastinators. For the procrastinators. Yeah. Okay. Now. Um, you have to give it time to get there, snail mail, right? So you can usually file, like what happens if it's, you know, February 7th, February 14th comes along and you still don't have a W-2. You want to get that tax money back though, right? You want to get that tax money back. Because so, you uh, know you can, you're due a refund. Right, but there's a certain process. Like you're supposed to do your own kind of due diligence. So let's say it's February 14th, Valentine's Day, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're out Mama there. Mama needs some brand new shoes. You're out there on her date and you realize, oh man, I even still haven't even got my W-2 yet. What do you do? Step one, you have to call your employer, right? Call your employer. Usually it's something that they've made a mistake on. They send it to the wrong address or um, they have it still there and they forgot to give it to you or they put it in your inbox and Oops. you haven't gotten it for whatever reason, right? So step one, you have to call your employer and then allow them reasonable time to get that to you, mm -hmm. right? Now, reasonable, you know, quote, unquote, reasonable. Eyes on um, beholder. Right. So you got you to gotta give them reasonable time. Now, February 23rd comes around the corner and you still don't have your W-2. Then you got to call the IRS, right? And there's certain docs that you have to put together or whatever to make sure that, um, you know, your address, your employer's address, their EIN number, if you know it, you know, those sort of So basically, details. hey, boss, I gave you a chance to get this right. You didn't. Now I'm going to your boss, Uncle Sam. Right, right. And then, um, and then you can file a form forty-eight fifty-two, which is a substitute W two, and then you can file your tax return electronically that way, right? So now, forty-eight fifty-two is a substitute W two. Substitute W two. Okay. Now, here's the downside to that: not only did you have to wait for your employer, not only did you have to contact your employer and then give them reasonable time, you're going to submit your return to the IRS, and they might take reasonable time to do their research. Of course, I mean. Who expects Uncle Sam to be fast? Right. So so it might take you a good, if once they even get the return, it could take them a good, you know, normally when I when you mail a return or you send it uh, some sort of paper document that way, it's going to take you a good three to four weeks to get the refund. This is assuming there's no delays or there's no research. So you, you know, could be looking six to eight weeks before you get your refund. That's close to what I was thinking. Yeah. I you mean, said three to four. I was like, wow, that's actually well, reasonable but well, let's say six I, to eight is more yeah let's say i file my tax return and i don't want to go direct deposit to my bank account i want them to mail me a physical check so that'll take about three to four weeks for the irs to send that out right but that's assuming there's no issues in this case we have issues so the irs is going to do their research make sure the numbers that you provided were correct make sure the address is correct make sure all this stuff is right and it's just going to delay the process so in this particular case, in our in our listener's example, the W-2 information uh, that the employer reported was about 10 grand off from the pay stub that they used. So there's a huge discrepancy here. Hang on, you just said pay stub. What about the 4852 that you were just talking about? Well, the 4852 
needs information. And where are you going to get that information from? It usually comes from your last pay stub. Oh, okay. Right. And so, you know, I don't know if it was the pay stub was incorrect or they used the wrong date or the wrong employer or whatever it is, but the numbers that they used to create the 4852 was different than what the IRS finally was reported from the employer. So that prompted an audit letter. Right. And so that's where this problem started. Um, and so, you know, the good thing is, you know, um, this listener, we talked to them and they're, they're getting that issue, the income issue resolved, but it also prompted the proof of eligibility for the child. So because of the child tax credit, right? Cause of the child tax credit. So there's a difference between being uh, a dependent and being a dependent eligible for that tax credit. So like a kid could be 18 to 24 full-time college and you can still claim as it claim him or her as a dependent on your tax return provided they meet certain criteria which is a tax deduction which is which lower yeah they they qualify for an exemption on your tax return which lowers your adjusted gross income which means it lowers your tax return but a credit tax bracket uh it it lowers your taxable income so it lowers your tax right um but a credit reduces whatever you whatever the tax dollar amount is so the way a tax return works is we calculate your income, we make some adjustments to that income, and then we take away uh, deductions in standard deduction or itemized, and we take away the number of exemptions, uh, and that gives us a number at the end. So you might have made a hundred grand, but after we make the adjustments, deductions, and exemptions, maybe you're only getting taxed on sixty grand, right? And so they look sixty grand up in the tax table based on your filing status. They come up with a tax. And that's the number that you owe to the IRS. Now, you are withheld on your paycheck f- throughout the year. So mm-hmm. chances are you've already paid into that amount. Right. And if you paid more than that amount, you get a refund. If you paid less, you owe. That was one of the things that you talked about in one of our early episodes was making sure that when you set up your W-4, you actually set it up so that you pay exactly the amount of tax that you're supposed to. And you don't get a large refund. Right. It's being it's being proactive. In other words, you're getting your money up front every paycheck. Why do you want Uncle Sam holding your money till the end? You know, a lot of people get excited about a refund, but it's it was your money already. You just gave it to them willingly. <laughs> because you didn't do the research required to right, right. pay and, the correct amount. And for some reason so for some people that's a good thing. That's a money for vacation at the end of the year. Right, that's right. money to pay off a debt. It's a forced savings it's a account. Forced savings account. It's has zero return on investment and you know you're you're, you're basically <laughs> giving the government a free loan, but it's a forced savings for you. Right. So, you know, for some people it, it works, for others they don't they see the logic and like why am i gonna put something that pays me zero interest and that's that's a hell no but for some people it's a it's a good thing you know and a lot of people really just don't even know that that's how it's supposed to work no they have no clue i learned that when talking to you just a couple of months probably not even a couple months maybe just a few weeks ago yeah when i got back to san diego i think oh that's how it works yeah (laughs) it's it's something that most people don't even realize right and so I mean, so we, we left off with the the tax that you owe, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways that you can pay that balance is by that money being withheld on your on your paycheck every month. That's, a, that's payments collected. But another way you can get rid of that tax is with a tax credit. So if I owe $5,000 in taxes and I have $1,000 for a child tax credit and I have three kids, well, now my $5,000 tax bill came down to $2,000. 
Okay, that makes sense. And if I was withheld the same amount of money on my paychecks all the way through, that increases my refund. So instead of it being a deduction from the income that you've you've earned during the year, it's a credit towards the tax that you actually owe. Correct. So tax or tax credits are way better than deductions because they're dollar for dollar reductions. Right. They're awesome that way. Now, because they're awesome that way, there's two types of credits. There's refundable and there's non-refundable credits. So let's say like a non-refundable credit would be like, um, let's say I owed $3,000 and I have a $4,000 non-refundable credit. That means that I can get my tax burden to zero, but that's it. But that extra $1,000 just poof, goes away, right? However, the refundable ones, like the child tax credit, for example, there's a, there's the refundable portion of it, right? And that will eliminate your tax burden to zero, and then the rest comes down as a payment or refundable back to you. What? So those go under more scrutiny, earned income tax credit, more scrutiny, child tax credit, more scrutiny, because they're higher fraudulent type Credits because people know that they increase their refund. Got it. Got right? it. That makes sense. So the more kids I have, the more tax credit I can get. And if I'm making up a, making up a bunch of fake kids, right? It's not. It's not only. That's what the it's IRS not only wrong, is wrong. It's technically it's illegal. It's illegal. Yeah. yeah. And that's what that's the IRS is looking for. That's what they're looking for. So now that they got this IRS letter out for our, for our particular uh, listener here, they're trying to verify that this child is in fact their child. Right. So you have to prove basically you're you're proving two things in this that they're asking for at the at the IRS. They're pre, they're proving that there's a relationship between the taxpayer and this child mm-hmm. and that there's a residence. So the child has to live with you for at least 6 months of the year mm-hmm. in this case and um and it has to be there's a certain relationship issue so it's your son, daughter, stepdaughter, stepson um So I can't just take the neighbor's kid. You can't even take your cousin. Oh, man. Right? Now, that's not to say that you can have a complete stranger as a dependent, Uh but not as a qualifying child. Not as a qualifying child. And there's different rules that apply. So a complete stranger has to live with you all year long, has to make less than, well, usually it's been the exemption amount, which is... What if I'm a foster parent? Foster child is is completely okay. That child will qualify as a qualifying child. Okay? So... So that's what they want you to prove. So in this case, uh, our listener is going to have to send a birth certificate um, or a letter from an adoption agency if we're doing adoption Mm -hmm. to prove relationship, to prove that this kid is actually their kid, right? And then they're going to have to send some sort of proof for residency. So school records, uh, medical records, daycare records, uh, social service records like uh, Section 8 or welfare, Medicare, something Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. to show that the relationship and the residency is there what about the previous year's tax returns uh not necessarily because let's say it's a divorced couple okay right and now she now this child didn't live with you Mm -hmm. live with the other parent well the previous tax return is not going to prove one way or the other it's just going to prove that in that year those requirements were met well what if in the in the new year in the year that you're filing for you're still married and filing jointly and you're using the same address and everything. But what if the kid didn't live with you? So there's, there's no there's, there's, there needs to be a way to prove that they to be did a, actually a proof, live with you. Right, okay, a proof. So so that's what the IRS is looking for in this case. And, and as long as they send in the paperwork, they're going to be fine. 
the um the other thing that she was worried about was the um the Id- proof of identity right right so what the irs is doing here is they're they're basically saying um they're making sure that you're not the one committing fraud oh so okay it could be it could be that somebody else used her, ta- her social security after and they're trying to verify the information right but they could also just be verifying that you're not the one being fraudulent so mm-hmm. show your social security number make sure they're u.s citizen because show- you already brought up that you know the the w-2 and right. the pay stub didn't match your $10,000 off. So if you're off by $10,000 over here, maybe we need to verify that that's actually your kid. Right, right. Because so, that's a refundable credit that, you were, that you're getting. Right. If it is an identity issue, right, and they fill out that paperwork, then what the IRS is going to do is gonna, it's going to verify that all the information is correct. And then they're going to send a PIN for that particular Social Security number every year. So that you have authorization, you've proven everything, and the IRS is giving you this PIN number so you can file electronically going forward. Every year? Every year. It's a it's a pr- an identity protection PIN. So it's protecting, uh, see, because what will happen is some if, if your identity is stolen, if somebody has your social security number and date of birth and stuff, and they go and file a tax return to get a refund, and then you turn around and try to file your tax return after, it'll be rejected. Right. Because the IRS is going to say, sorry, this social security number has already been submitted. Mm-hmm. So in order to ensure that if they know that that social security social security number has been compromised, they send out this, you know, once you verify everything, they'll send out the pin to you so that they know that you have verified everything and you are the one who's actually filing. So the for the rest of, I guess, that child's life for the rest of the time that they're dependent for that uh, for that taxpayer, will that taxpayer ever be able to electronically file again or will they always have to? They paper. Will, they will always. They will be able to electronically file as long as they have the pin number. As long as they have the pin number. Right. Okay. Cool. So I mean, it's it's a so safe. It's not card. terribly inconvenient. It's not terribly inconvenient, but sometimes Just a bit. that pin number comes like in November, and oh, you don't file God. your taxes till February. And yeah. You so you might got like lose four it. months where you're like, oh crap, right? where'd that stupid pin number yeah, go? Yeah, and so it, it can it can get a little. Ugh. Yeah, but, but what happens if they lose that pin? They gotta contact the IRS, and, and they gotta wait yeah. three to four weeks before the IRS sends so it out again. It's a little bit of a pain, in the <laughs> but but they're trying to protect your identity. So for those of you who are getting those pin numbers, make sure you put them away. Do not lose them. You're gonna make more work for yourself and for your tax guy. And always put away any document that is a tax document. Just get a folder, and this is where it goes. That's it. And that's it. That's it. So that was uh, that was the situation for listener number one. All right. All right. Uh, let's go on with uh, listener number two here. Listener number two. All right. So listener number two is um, getting a severance package. Getting a severance package. Yes, sir. And, um, and is uh, basically like a pension being activated here. Right. So we got a, we got a longer term, term income. And a severance package. Correct. Okay. And then we're looking at a whole situation here. So we had a, you, you actually had to sit down with this particular client. Correct. All right. And so tell me a little bit about what's going on here. Uh, so what we're looking at is a grand total of liabilities. In other words, debt owed. Uh, let's round it up to 65000 Okay. Okay. Uh, the severance package that our client here is receiving... I shouldn't use the word client. That 
this person that we're talking to is receiving is somewhere in the range of about $60,000. So he's not going to be able to pay off the entire debt. Right. There's still going to be a little bit left over. But on top of that, yeah, there's going to be a pension coming. It's not going to be enough to meet his uh, total expenses and on a monthly basis. He is looking at getting uh, additional income from unemployment, and he's going to be able to get another job and stuff like that. Um, so what we're looking at is how to best plan for him moving forward so that he brings down those expenses, pays off a lot of that debt, and his monthly income will be more than what his expenses are okay. right now. And we should we should also add here that there are children involved. Yes. So we want to make sure that... Um, young children. Young children. So we want to make sure that not only is this a debt reduction plan, not, as, not only is this a plan going forward... But we're also taking care of little ones should, you know, something really bad happen, right? Should we have death or something like that happen in the family? We want to make oh God, sure that yeah. that every aspect here is taken care of as mm-hmm. best we can. So one good thing about this person's situation is uh, as far as medical goes for the kids, it's going to be very, very inexpensive. Good. Just based on the situation. Right. So medical is covered. Medical cool. will be covered all right so let's start off with uh the important things here what what do we need so we need to have some liquid cash right all right we need to decide um how much of this severance is going to go into debt reduction Mm -hmm. and then we should definitely look into um some sort of insurance policy for the kids right so let's start off by saying that our total monthly expenses for this person are roughly $4,300. $4,300. Okay. And after the um, the current employment ends and they start getting their pension and whatever other income, they're looking at a stable monthly income of about 3800 per month. So they're upside down about $500. They're upside down right now about $500. Okay. So how much of their expenses are uh, are debt payments. In other words, like, you know, stuff that we can pay off to eliminate these payments. They have about $1700 a month worth of debt payments. Okay, so so theoretically, we can if we can flip the whole 1700, they'd be up 12. Correct. Okay. Okay, cool. Theoretically, but we can't do the whole. No. No. There's just not quite enough money there. Close. Not, not in one not in one fell swoop. Not in one fell swoop. Okay. But we can put a plan together to get there. Right. Okay. So the other thing that we wanted to think about when putting this plan together was you want to have some cash on the side emergency money emergency money for sure and you want to have enough to live off of for an extended amount of time should everything absolutely go wrong yeah bro murphy's law yeah yeah you get in an accident you can't work for six months I mean, Some he's already of, not working. Right, right. But, but he's capable of working. Capable of working. We're talking about, you know, incapacitated type thing. Right, right. That makes sense. I, I get what you're saying. So, yeah. So, we we want to have uh, an extended period of time where those expenses are going to be covered. So, uh, at about 4300 per month, our six-month expenses are roughly $26,000. Okay. All right. So at, the first, at the current payment levels. At the current 
loan payment levels. Okay. Okay. So what we wanted to do was to try and eliminate the right debts. Okay. So we're going to start with the highest debt, or I should say the highest monthly payment. Okay. Okay, which is the debt that has the highest interest. Right. Okay. By freeing up the highest... How would you how would you phrase that? So so when you look at when you look at different kinds of debts, for example, if we look at credit card debts, let's say you had four different credit cards, um, each of them has a different monthly payment based on the balance and the interest rate. So we can sort them by either the amount owed, or we can sort them sort them by the uh, minimum monthly payment. We can sort them by the interest rate. Right. Right. And um, in this case, because we're trying to free up uh, monthly cash flow. We're taking into consideration the debts that have the highest monthly payments. Right. So that we can free up cash flow. Because remember, they're upside down about 500 bucks. So if we can if we can eliminate some of this debt and lower that upside down amount, then we can put them in a good situation. Makes sense. Makes sense. So what we want to do is lower the payments or get rid of the payments that are going to have the greatest effect on... The monthly cash flow. So we are looking at about from that seventeen hundred that we started with, we're looking at almost twelve hundred that we're gonna get rid of in one fell swoop. And from the sixty thousand dollars severance, it's going to cost us about forty thousand. So we're gonna we're gonna take yeah, okay. So from the sixty severance, we're gonna spend about forty thousand and wipe out about twelve hundred dollars a month worth of debt. It's actually uh it's forty three thousand. $43,000. So that's going to leave us with total cash on hand, about $17,000. Okay. Okay. But it's going to reduce our monthly expenses from 4300 down to 3200 So that's so $1,100 so down. That's good. Because now we have, now now by doing that, we've, yeah, we've spent 40000 on debt reduction, which is getting us that much closer to zero debt, right? Um, second, it's lowered us. It's lowered the expenses to the point where it's manageable. Every month, all the expenses are covered, right? With a surplus of about six hundred dollars. Correct. Okay. So now the budget that that we created here, it already accounts for groceries, gas, um, kids' clothes, going out, all those different things. Right. So so we've already accounted for all these expenses assuming he can stay on this particular budget we can now use the six hundred dollars a month that we've uh created to start knocking down some of those other additional debts correct and we can use that to work our way through and get him to zero right so we ended up with uh what do we have here we started with six separate seven (laughs) <laughs> we started with seven separate loan accounts. Okay. Okay. Uh, four credit cards and three loans. Two two cars and one personal loan. Okay. So we paid off one of the cars, the personal loan, and two of the credit cards. Perfect. So what we have left is about $3,500 in credit card debt. And one of the vehicles still has the full amount left over that, that we started with. So... Taking that $600 that we generate extra per month 
if we start paying down those credit cards, that $3,500 is paid off in seven months. Yeah. Six months. Six months. Right. Yeah. You're good at math. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're done. So within, within, from, from the moment that this goes into effect, from the moment he gets his severance pay, within six months, he's knocked down almost all his debt with the exception of one vehicle. With the exception of one vehicle. All right. That's not bad. I mean, once within six months, now his cash flow is not six hundred dollars anymore. His cash flow is going to be somewhere near what about eight nine hundred dollars? Seven fifty. Seven. Oh yeah, about eight hundred dollars. Almost eight hundred. Yep. Okay. So now we can take that eight hundred and we apply it to the car. And every month he's making eight hundred dollar payments on. On top of what he's uh, on top of the about four hundred, so twelve hundred, and then the vehicle is a, a little over sixteen thousand. So what yeah. did that take? Twelve, so, fourteen months. Yeah, in in so in a little less than two years, right? So how much did he owe? Uh, sixteen thousand. Yeah, so uh, about about fourteen months. Fourteen so, months. So if we do if so in fourteen months. So let's see, fourteen plus six, so about twenty months. Twenty months. So under less, two years. Under two years, he can be at zero debt. Or let's let's make it sound a little bit better. Just over a year and a half. <laughs> All right, just over a year and a half. He's gonna have zero debt. Zero debt. Right. And his positive cash flow will be eleven hundred and seventy-five dollars a month. Right. Now, what are we gonna do with the other seventeen thousand dollars? Well, my thought was we could throw a good chunk of it into a life insurance policy. All right, something that's uh, something that's there for the kids. It's there for the kids. It's an instant uh, death benefit, which is good. Okay, which is good. So if something happens to this person, his kids are going to be taken care of. His kids will obviously be the beneficiaries, and so they will never have to worry about where's my next meal coming from or anything like that. Right, right. There's right. The, that money's going to be there for them, so that uh, that death benefit is there. In addition, a well-developed life insurance policy could also include a uh, disability plan in case something happens, in like case a long-term care type thing. Right, long-term care, anything like that. So. They already have the pension, but that pension would probably not be enough to fund what would actually be needed for long-term care. All right. So basically what we're doing here is we're saying, look, within, with, within just over a year and a half, we've gotten you to zero debt. In case you don't make it the year and a half, your kids will be safe. Mm-hmm. Right. And... After that, let's say he does make it the year and a half he and should. he sticks to the plan, he'll be in a position where he has an extra $1,200 a month that he can then turn around and start investing into his own future. Right. He can put, you know, let's make it realistic. If you're making an extra $1,200 a month, you're not going to start throwing that all into, you know, a single investment or, or whether it's a life insurance policy or if you want to dabble in stocks or you want to throw it at real estate or whatever it is you're not going to throw all of it no okay so you're going to take yeah you're going to take a chunk of it let's say a third four hundred dollars a month 
right, that you're putting into, and let's call it a safe investment, something like a in, uh, index universal life, right, where when the market goes up, your cash value increases. When the market goes down, you just don't make any money. Right. You don't lose money. You just don't make any. Now, I'm, I'm going to make it a little bit different. I never really liked the idea of insurance as an investment. I always look at mm-hmm. insurance as it's it's a just in case. Right. You know, I mean, the defini- definition of insurance is this is going to make you whole. Right. It's going to take care of you in case something happens. Mm-hmm. So even though there are great insurance products and they are they can be some great investments like I mean, some of the strategies I've seen is like, why why aren't you buying a life insurance for your parents? Like, right. I mean, that is that to me is different. You know, mom and dad are eventually going to pass. Right. Right. And why hopefully aren't, before you hopefully before you. Right. So, I mean, if, if it's an inevitable thing, why aren't you as kids funding mom and dad's life insurance policy? Because mm-hmm. when those proceeds come out, you know, you get a windfall. It's a windfall. Yeah. It's. It's, it's a sad day. It's a sad day, but you're securing an inheritance. Right. Especially if they're the type of parents who weren't able to create something for you. They were only able to get you, you know, so why to a certain we point. Paying a life insurance Mom and Dad do have a life insurance policy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. If they didn't, it'd be a different ballgame. <laughs> <laughs> so but uh I mean so that brings me back to the to the other thing. So I mean that that's one option. Right. The other option is I don't know where he's working. He might be able to fund uh, his 401k or maybe he can start funding a a, a 529 plan for his kids college. Definitely a 529. I'm going to agree with that, but I'm going to definitely fight you on that 401k. (laughs) I'm going to definitely fight you on the 401k. The 401k is nothing more than we're throwing money into mutual funds. And when the stock market is good, everything's great. But when the stock market goes bad, guess what? You lose money. I, you know what, and I in agree an with you. In an, in an index universal life fund, you don't lose money. You just don't make money. Right. So it's like a step. You go up, 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 and then that's your plateau. When the market goes down, you never go below that point. Now, not for sake of argument, but either of those are investments or, or opportunities for people who don't want to take control of their own investments. Absolutely true. So... That's so, not my style. And that's the reason why we disagree because we're looking at it from a very passive point of view. It is very much a passive point so, of view. So, you know. But they're safe. But relatively. They are safe. You know, it's all based on the market. And the market does historically always go up if given dollar, enough time. Yeah, dollar, cast, dollar cost averaging is a strategy. Is it the best strategy? No, it's a strategy. Right. It's same thing with the index universal life. Some guys, some people might say, um, you go with something that's not uh, not capped on the upside and not stopped on the bottom side. You just want to go full on indexed with the with a market, right? Right. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, and I think we're going way in deeper into a subject that we probably, probably shouldn't. But in this particular, we digress. Case, we, we digress. digress. Sorry. So in this particular case, I mean, I think we've we've developed a plan or helped them develop a plan that meets his needs yes i think so too so basically the the highlighted points of this whole thing is we're going to get him to a point right off where his expenses are going to be less than his income so he's going to be in the black as they say he'll be making money out of the gate 
The other thing is that we want to try and get him down to zero debt in just over a year and a half. Now, here's the here's the probably the most crucial point. If you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Stop digging. Put down the shovel. This plan is great in theory. In theory. He's got to execute. Right. If he steers away from the plan, he's going to be in trouble. Right. So, you know, this is great that you're going to get down to zero as long as you don't acquire new debt. And this is the problem that most people have because they've had a... Uh, they've been going at it the whole life in the wrong direction. You've mm-hmm. only known how to spend. Right. You've only learned to spend. You've been a consumer your whole life. So trying to flip the switch from being a consumer to a saver or a, an investor, because that's initially what they're doing. Every time they pay off a debt, they're basically buying the interest rate back. Right. And so, you know, that mindset is a little bit different. And if you can stick to that mindset a year and a half, stick to that budget then he'll have cash that he can turn around and begin to buy things again, but mm-hmm. stick to the cash. You had a, another pretty good idea when we were talking about this before the show, which was from that 17000 in cash, which is pretty close to what his six months uh, expenses would be. Mm-hmm. From that 17000 keep one month's worth of expenses in liquid cash on hand mm-hmm. in an account that you don't touch and you don't have access to via an ATM card. Right, right. Okay? You have to actually go to the bank to get it, but you can get it, it in a day. quickly, yes. Okay? And then the remainder of the funds would go into what kind of investment? Well, we were talking about the Index Universal Life to fund the life policy. To fund the life policy, to right. start that so life that policy. So that you can borrow against it, it's still accessible, it's just not as accessible. It takes a little bit more it time. It takes more effort. It takes more time. That's why you have the liquid cash on hand. And ideally for me, I would prefer to have, you know, three to six months of liquid cash on hand. Mm-hmm. But because we have also kids involved, we don't know what can happen at any one point. So we right. want to at least fund that. So in his, in this situation, um, once we get him closer to zero or when we have that $600 a month cash flow, maybe part of it is funding his emergency fund to get him to, to three to six months, mm-hmm. and part of it is going to pay off debt. Do we have enough time to talk about the 529? Um, yeah, we've we got about kind a minute and a half, two minutes. All right, we can touch on it really quick. So right. maybe instead of going the IUL route, we can throw the remainder of those funds into that college fund. What do you think of that? That might be an option. I mean, you can... Uh, Getting the money out would be more difficult, but the growth on that money would be nice because it grows ta- tax-free. Kind of, it's kind of treated almost like a Roth account. And they're young enough now where that would really make a difference for them Especially, when it comes time yes, for college. When it comes time for college, so cool. I mean that might be an option too. And then you just buy a regular term policy for you know 15, 20 year fixed term policy, and you know that would reduce the difference and you can fund the five point nine plan. So that might cool. be another another good too. solution. Yep, another good solution. Cool. Let's put it on the agenda to uh, talk more about those five twenty nines. For sure, that's probably something cool that people would love to know more about. Yep. And I think we're good for the day. Yeah. So uh, any other listeners out there, if you guys have any other questions, we'd love to uh, chat, argue, and debate about uh, how to make your situation a little better. So uh, if you have any questions. 
You can find us at www.csfirst.com or follow us on Facebook at csfirst. Uh, Twitter, Trades on the Road. And uh, Twitter at Great One or Instagram on CS. That's all, all right. I got. Bye-bye. 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 B